Welcome once again to A Pain in the Glass podcast. This is Bill Shearhart coming to you from Geneva, Switzerland, the site of the 2022 Mixed Doubles World Championship and Senior World Curling Championship. A Pain in the Glass podcast is sponsored by my friends at Canada Curling Stone. Our topic today is eye dominance. We play, instruct, and coach a hand-eye coordination sport. As a result, as coaches and instructors, we need to be aware of eye dominance and the role it plays in delivering a curling rock. Right off the top, I want to be very clear that an athlete will do this correctly by nature. This episode is for coaches and instructors so that we don't create a problem. When I present this topic, I characterize it as though one was completing an application form. As far as the athlete is concerned, this is for, quote, office use only, unquote. But first, some background is necessary. Even though we have two eyes rather than one, it's for the purpose of seeing multidimensionally. For us, it means three dimensions, but we really only target or see with one eye, and it may be either one. In fact, over varying distances, the eye that really does the seeing or targeting may change from one side to the other. In sport, most skills are performed by one appendage, left or right hand, left or right arm, left or right leg, left or right foot, and most sports demand accuracy in distance and direction. There are some interesting combinations. A dart player, for example, may be right-handed but left-eye dominant. The way in which that athlete holds the dart relative to his body will reflect that. Seeing the target is what this episode is all about. Remember, Athletes don't dwell on this situation. It happens automatically. It's when a well-meaning instructor suggests a change that inadvertently positions the athlete incorrectly and in essence forces the athlete to see the target incorrectly that causes the problem. In curling, when an athlete misses, he or she wants instant visual feedback that she or he has done so. One of the most unsettling feelings for a curly is to think that he or she has hit the brush, when in fact, that is not the case. To get right to the point relative to curling, for many years, most instructors would have encouraged athletes to, again, quote, get right behind the stone in the slide, unquote. If the athlete were right-handed and right-eye dominant, as I refer to it, same side dominant, then that might have forced that athlete to see the target incorrectly. If that athlete were technically successful, they actually would do so by triangulating. In other words, they would have been guessing that they were or were not on the line of delivery. When viewed from the front, if the athlete were to slide towards an instructor, he or she would be seen as off to the side of the path of the stone, but closer observation would reveal that the dominant eye, in this case the right eye, is really the only part of the body from a visual perspective that the athlete really cares about, and as a result, it is right behind the stone. He or she must slide in a straight line, but the sliding foot or a portion of it will be visible to the side of the stone. 
As long as it remains parallel to the stone in the slide, the athlete is sliding correctly. Obviously, the same would be true for a left-handed and left-eye dominant athlete. They would be same-side dominant. Curlers who are opposite-side dominant, for example, right-handed and left-eye dominant, or left-handed and right-eye dominant, will more likely want to get the body right behind the stone in order to, again, quote-unquote, see the target. There is an easy test for eye dominance for curlers, and here it is. Stand facing a target that is approximately the same distance as the length of a sheet of curling ice. I would suggest perhaps one of the numerals or letters indicating the ice. Hold your arms outstretched at shoulder height in front of you with palms facing forward, fingers together but thumbs separated. Let me repeat that. Hold your arms outstretched, arms length in other words, in front of you, shoulder height, with palms facing forward, in other words, facing the target, fingers together but thumbs separated. Now, bring your hands together so that a small space is created where the thumb meets the index finger of both hands. You create a small hole. Let me repeat that part. Now, bring your hands together so that a small space is created on each hand where the thumb meets the index finger. Now, here's the key. With both eyes open, shape the space so that only the target that you chose, the sheet number or sheet letter, for example, is visible. So, again, let me repeat that. With both eyes open and head steady, Close your hands so that you create that, that tiny hole so that the only thing you can see with both eyes is that target that you selected, the sheet numeral or sheet letter. Now, here's the important part. Alternately, close your eyes. In other words, close one eye and then the other eye. And if you find that a challenge, just have somebody cover one eye at a time. You will see the target with only one eye through that tiny space. Of course, that's your dominant eye. But although this test has been approved by an ophthalmologist, he was quickly to point out that it is not determining the degree of eye dominance. A person doing the test might be right eye dominant, but the degree of eye dominant may be very slight. And there is a clue, though. Using the non-dominant eye only, you might be able to estimate where the target is, even though it's blocked by one hand and is not visible. But if, on the other hand, the target really moves to such a degree that it can be seen to the side of the palm when viewed with the dominant eye, then the degree of eye dominance is greater. A curler who is only slightly eye-dominant, and that's for most of us, by the way, will want to be behind the stone, sliding foot not visible when viewed from the front, save for the toe of the athlete toes out. For those who have significant eye-dominance, and eye-dominance has nothing to do with visual acuity, by the way, 
then the position of the body relative to the stone in the slide will also be significantly different from athletes with only slight eye dominance, as explained earlier. What I've just explained, of course, is all about a person who is opposite side dominant. So let me kind of rephrase here, Your Honor. If a person is significantly eye dominant when they're in the hack, it might look as though they have the stone misplaced. Again, if a person is right eye dominant but left-handed, they'll have the rock way over in front of their right side of their body. If a person is significantly eye dominant and they are right-handed and left eye dominant, they may bring the rock way over to the left side of their body. It looks a little bit weird from the front. And if an athlete does that, that's a clue for you to test their eye dominance. And when you do the test, if with their dominant eye, they actually see the target outside their palm, then that means they're significantly eye dominant and when they position the rock, they'll want to put it in front of that dominant eye. So just to clarify that point. As a sidebar, it's interesting to note that eye dominance can be altered. If one is same side or opposite side dominant and for whatever reason chooses to change, it is possible through eye training. Before I close a note of caution, don't do the test with your athletes just for fun or in haphazard fashion. It's only to help you, the instructor, understand what is happening with your athletes. If it's not an issue, don't make it one. Again, athletes are either going to be same side dominant or opposite side dominant. And just let me summarize one more time. If you are same side dominant, then your dominant eye is the only thing that really needs to be behind the rock. And therefore, the athlete will be slightly to the side relative to the rock as the athlete slides forward. You will probably be able to see a good portion of the sliding foot. If a person is opposite side dominant, as I am, for example, I'm right-handed and left eye dominant, I need to slide right behind the rock. Same side dominant, the person will slide in parallel to the rock. If you're opposite side dominant, you will slide right behind the rock. Check eye dominance with your athletes. It's for you to make sure that you understand the eye dominance of the athlete so that you're not surprised with what you see when you view the athlete from front. I'm no longer in Geneva, Switzerland. I'm back home and have been for quite some time, actually, all summer, in Grand Bend, Ontario. It's getting towards the end of September, and it's the start of the new curling season. This episode was a follow-up to episode number nine, of course, still in season number one. And that episode was entitled, It's Our Signature Skill. And it's for instructors and coaches it's all about delivery analysis, not from a content perspective, but rather from a process perspective. I'm very concerned about athletes in connection with eye dominance because for 
some time and with some of my colleagues, uh, eye dominance has largely been ignored, and I feel it's extremely important. Remember, as I said, without any interference, the athlete will always do it right. It's important for us to understand the difference between the position of the curling rock of someone with same side dominant versus opposite side dominant. And then, of course, the degree to eye dominance is important as well. This is one of those episodes where sitting in a chair or a couch, uh, it gets a little bit confusing. So if that was the case, please replay the episode and go through the arm actions as I described it because it's going to make things much easier to understand. Thank you very much for joining us. And now that the curling season is starting to get underway, I can say to you, think happy thoughts and good curling.